Good morning and welcome to the podcast, The Boy Behind the Man. My name is Piero Mardesic from Addicted to Grow and joining me is a special guest, Tej Bramat. And he and I will be discussing what Tej went through as a child and his boyhood struggles and adversities that molded him into who he is today. Please be aware that there could be triggering information in there throughout this podcast, but also acknowledge, and I want to take this moment to acknowledge Tej his vulnerability and his love for his family and his parents and what he went through as a child. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and like. And also, if you have any feedback, please drop it in the comments below. You can find Tej at LinkedIn Clubhouse Instagram. You can find myself at LinkedIn on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, Clubhouse, TikTok, www.pierromardesic and www.addictedtogrow.com. Hey everyone and welcome. My name is Piero Mardesic from the Piero Mardesic brand and we are here today on the Conquer Your Uncomfortable podcast. The boy behind the man. It's talking about the struggles, the adversities and the addictions that we possibly went through that we may not have understood we went through until we grew up on what actually molded us to become the man or the woman that we are now. So I'd love everyone just to welcome our special guest, Tej. Welcome. Hello, my friend. Thank you for having me. I'm honored, man. You're so welcome. I'm really looking forward to this. I've listened to you before. We connected and in the last like five minutes before we started recording this, the energy is already powerful. So without holding back, okay. it's always going to be about the struggles, the adversity and or addictions that we may have developed when we were children that we may not have understood until we grew up. So we went through a little bit, you know, you've grown up in Manhattan, New York for 80% of your life, but the world really wants to hear, well, who's Tej? Like who's the zero to 12 year old and, and start at the earliest memory that you can remember and let's dive straight in. The earliest memory that you can remember that actually hurt a little bit. Wow, um, that's a brilliant question. And now I know why you do what you do. Excellent question. It hurts right now. Let me think a second. I'm gonna say the earliest memory that I could remember that hurt a little, and I just found this last few years. I remember sitting on my mom's lap and someone had come over and I love to put on a show for everyone because I love the engagement of the human interaction. doesn't matter what I know or don't know. I want to entertain you so you feel good being in my presence. That's been my, since I remember, that's what I wanted to do, right? Put on a show, whatever it was, for the benefit of my guests. Just like you are entertaining me as your guest and I'm honored. I want people to be honored. I want them to be happy to be in my presence. So my aunt, at the time, I didn't know who this strange lady was because I was four or five years old. Mm. She came over and all I knew was, my mom said, we have a special guest coming over. She's one of your aunts. Um, they had just came to the country four years ago, my parents. So mm-hmm. I had just arrived. I was born in India, came here when I was three and a half or four. So it was mm-hmm. one of my first memories in the U.S. being raised in the suburbs of Philadelphia. In the little apartment where we lived, um, the guest in my, my, my eyes, it was like a person to entertain. I didn't know. In my world, it was like a new guest for me for a new show. They came over. I introduced myself. And I heard him talking, so I came out with my best toys in hand. I said, hey, auntie, because you call in India everybody auntie out of respect. Yeah. Auntie, and she's like, 
who is this handsome little devil? I was like, oh, hi, my name is Tejas. My full name is Tejas. Hi, I'm Tejas. And she, like, I was announcing myself like I had to. She knew who I was, obviously. But in my mind, I was like, hi, I'm Tejas. And she goes, oh my God, I want to play with you. Let's talk. So I spoke with her for hours, what felt like days. And then she left, right? Most brilliant moment of my four and a half year old life there. So I told my mom, I'm like, mom, did you see how much fun I was having? And my mom says, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Okay. Um, well, did you see that? She, she said, oh my God, you're going to be something when you grow up. You're like, I love your energy. And she said some word. And later, I think it was aura. I have no idea what that word meant. So I think it was aura. I, kept, I thought she kept on saying or, and I didn't realize what she meant, but it's aura. And my mom goes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. Okay. Well, Oh my God, she's, and she's pretty. I gave her, I gave her a kiss on the cheek and she smiled. It's, I was so like proud. And she goes, so what? Get over yourself or get over it or yourself. Why I remember this, I have no idea. But after talking to a couple of people who happen to be psychologists as friends, we happened to talk about something and it sparked something. And I said, it was weird you talking about first memory. And this one came up in the back of mind. I didn't share it with anybody because for me, I never showed weakness because... To me, it was a weakness to show weakness. And I learned this recently. People like me more when I tell them about all my battles. But, and, I, and, I was my, and I was mind blown. I thought, why do they want to hear about me getting beat up and whining? Well, I don't want to whine to you. I want to show you my successes. And guess what? The more I show people the top of the glacier and my successes, the more they thought, this guy's full of himself. He doesn't have any adversity in his life. He's just successful. I'm like, no, you don't understand. That memory sparked all these thoughts. And I thought, why do I remember that memory sitting on my mom's lap? And she said, get over yourself. That's what I remember. That's my first memory. I have no idea why that physiologically bothers me. It sits there. My first memory is that. Isn't that weird? So this is, this is brilliant to hear. And, and one thing that I love doing um, when the guest speaks purely for the audience's sake, because they can't see the interaction that we're having. They can hear it. And I always love explaining it from the psychology point of view of where those memories come from. So what happens is, is we don't remember memories. We remember the emotional pain or pleasure from that event. Because in an event, there's three things that happen. There's three parts to a moment or an event in life. And the first one is what happened. So the pure fact is the, 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 the loving part, you had the happy part. That's spending the time with your auntie. And, and from a Filipino background, so my father's Croatian and my mother's Filipino, we do the same thing, everyone's auntie. Even if I meet a Filipino now, I'm just like, you're my cousin instantly. And there's, you know, like you're my auntie or you're my brother or you're my sister or uncle. So the first part is the pleasure part. So that was the good memory. You're just like, yes, I had so much fun with her. And the fact that you can remember it so clearly and distinctly is a good, that's a good thing because that's part of the, the emotional part. Obviously, then it's kind of like, what did I make that mean? So when you heard the emotional fun part, you were like, oh, my God, this means something to me. And whatever you made that mean, it could be like I'm going to be something or, you know, she was so happy with me or there would have been some internal self-talk like, I feel amazing or I am good. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then it's actually what it's about. So the part that, that what's that actually about? That is like, that's like the, the, the story. What is it actually about? It just means like, oh, that's me. That's the real me. 
then when you get a painful one, mm-hmm. it's like, what happened? Your mum turned around and said, ah, so what? Doesn't matter, right? And you're just like, this is like two conflicting emotions right now in my tiny little body. Mm-hmm. And, the, and that next one is like, what did I make that mean? And it's like my mum, who's supposed to be, and my dad, and or my dad, is like the most loving one. I see them from the moment I can remember that initial eyeball. I can hear their voice when I'm in the womb, all of that, right? They're supposed to be the loving one. And next minute, they're just like, why are they talking to me like that? And then it becomes this, what did I make that mean? It's almost like the opposite. Or it could be like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. It's all them I am statements that are really negative. And what's that all about? It's just kind of like, that's their story. The negative ones are their story, your parents' story, or where you, where you first chose and decided in your tiny little mind to believe it. So if you're in the audience right now, you've heard me speak about this before. There's three parts to a moment. So in that moment, you've made it mean something like, like I'm, a, I'm not good enough. I'm not good. Well, like, why? Like, why is my mother saying this to me? So what perfectly resonates with me there is that my backstory at the age of 10, you know, and I've repeated this a few times and the audience understands it. But the thing is, is that when I was introduced to pornography, it was because my father was doing shift work and I would listen to some kind of odd movie and I was just like, what's all that about? And one day I walked in and and he basically related that to being these are naughty videos, these are naughty people, don't worry about it. Uh, And then the conflicting part was when I was in trouble, he would call me naughty. He's like, no, you're a naughty boy. So I started putting two to two together. He was a shift worker. He was working hours upon hours um, and then he would come home and like he wouldn't want to spend time with me because he was tired and he was doing shift work. So I barely saw him anyway. But then I would listen to these odd movies. And then when I sort of saw it and I associated naughty with naughty and then I started just becoming, I just attached it that way. So I was like, oh, well, I'm naughty. They're naughty. I'll just watch it. And then all of a sudden it started to stimulate me in, in hormonal way. And then I was like, I really like this now. And then I started adding the pleasure onto that. And I was making it mean in my head that I'm not good enough for my dad, but if, if these movies are good enough for him, I'll watch them too. That will make me good, right? That's what I started to believe. So this is what, this is what we do on a psychological level. So when you think back to that moment, and this is why it resonates with you because that emotional part is so painful. That's the part that stuck with you. Mm-hmm. So this was the first time you moved to America. This is the first moment where you had like an amazing interaction with someone new. You got to entertain them. And I love that because I, I'm the same. When I was little, mm-hmm. it was like, and, and my mum in Filipino, they would call me Porgy, which is handsome. So it was always this, oh, you're a handsome boy. And so I got all of this praise over here. But the one that I really wanted the love from was my dad. And I never got affection from because I was the one that put him on the pedestal, right? Mm-hmm. So... So when you think back now, when you were that young, who did you crave love from the most, mum or dad? Definitely, definitely, definitely my mom, for sure. Weird. Very ironically, yes, absolutely. So, so she would have been the one that you would have put on a pedestal because it was like you were always trying to climb to get her approval, Yeah. To this day, that truth, to this day, I just broke that chain about five years ago. I will say, so, so, I mean, I broke that chain, but you're talking, it took me 39 years. Yeah. Yeah. 
So if you go back, if you go back to five, so you go back to when this happened, how did that impact you like a couple of days later? You may or may not remember, but like how many, how many other areas of your life did that then continue to affect? It's funny. I don't remember details for that short time after, but it was the, the feeling I get now, why that popped up. That thought had not been a memory of mine until just speaking to someone. And they all of a sudden asked me really tough questions about um, adversity. And they said, yeah, I lost my, my, my mother in this and something. And they said, have you? I'm like, oh, interesting. And I said, well, my first memory, and we started talking about it, but I couldn't, I didn't realize that 20 years had gone by. I never thought about it. But why does that sit here so clearly? And the auntie, I remember who she is. I remember her face. I remember I, I drew out like on a piece of paper, I could draw out the apartment. I was four and a half years old. I, mm-hmm. I can draw out the apartment right now in relation to where I sat, to where the window was, to where the door was, Damn. to where I sat on her lap. It's insane. And the only thought I, only thought I had at the end of that was, what did I do wrong? I don't understand. Yeah. I did something wrong that I... What I, was I not supposed to kiss her because my mom doesn't like that because she said, so what? And was I not supposed to was I talk too much? Is that a bad thing to talk? But then every interaction of the five or six really meaty interactions that I felt were what made me, me, the chemicals that make me, according to everyone else, like you said, that word for handsome or the word for cute, that's what people will come over for and be like, oh my God, put him in a movie, please. Put him on, the, put him in the theater. Do something with this energy because you can't contain it. That's from everyone else. And then as soon as the door closes, you got to grow up. Stop acting like that. I'm like, but I'm seven years old. Act like what? Like I didn't say that, but I was like, oh, sorry. Well, just calm down. Sorry, 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 and sorry. Until when I became into my double digits, then it was like, screw you, leave me alone. Then I started thinking a little bit for myself, but. I don't know why and what, but the feeling was I'm doing something wrong. I got to be careful. I talk too much. That was the thought. Cool. So let me ask you, brothers or sisters? None. Yes. I, ironically, I'm the oldest. And then I have a younger sister, exactly five years younger than me. And then I have a brother 10 years younger than me. So we, they had us five years apart. Okay. So how, how, did you, how did you accept love from them? I, I looked at them as like my, my children. Like when they gave birth to my sister, do you know a six-year-old that babysat his little sister for two hours with no one in the house? Because they didn't have a choice. My mom worked at night. My dad worked during the day and there was a gap. She'd come home at eight. He'd have to go to work at 6.30. So they were like, listen to me. You're going to do this, 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 and this. You're not going to go out and do that. I'm like, okay, no problem. I can do this. I can, because Maria was a, a way to make her love me. And I said, I'm going to do the best job ever. And of course it was my little baby sister. So I would, I'd watch her like a guardian. I, I had a little baby bat and I thought if someone comes in this bat, I'm going to crush them with it. If they come in and I'm going to lock the window and double lock the door. I put a, they didn't know this, but I put a chair underneath the door. Cause in the movies, you know, you put a chair yep, underneath the doorknob yep. and that stops everything from happening in the world. I did that. <laughs> I was like, I'm the guardian. No one's going to, and then she'd cry. And I'd be like, Hey, don't cry. I got toy. So that's what I did. And then I, did, I repeated the same thing with my brother, except I was now 11 years old or 10 years old. My sister would be like the junior mentee watching my little brother with me. So now we're like, okay. And then I pass on. I'm like, listen to me. I'm going to tell you a few things. 
You got to keep a bat handy in case someone tries to teal, take our brother. His name's Raj. If someone tries to take him, you keep a bat with you. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go get a bat. And then, and all of a sudden we were guardians of the, of this little life. That's what I was. That's what I did in a chain of command of my job was to give them everything that my mom would never give me because I'm going to show them the world is there. So if they get it before me, no problem. I got you. Let me go through the forest, cut down the weeds and, and get cut. And then you follow me through the forest and just run. That's my thought. This, this shows so many things. There are so many things I can talk into with you about this. The first one that I want to talk about, though, is the, the mother on the pedestal part comes up again. It's like, I, I can do this because I can show you that I can so that I can get that love. The second thing is, is you, you try that so much. You put so much emphasis on it. You become that little miniature leader. You're just like, you already said it just then. I'm just going to go through the jungle and then you follow me through. I'm going to make sure that the, the road is paved for you. This, the third one that I want to bring up is exactly this. We either do the same as our parents or we do the opposite because we don't want what happens to us for someone else to go through unless it's so enjoyable, right? So now we're talking like someone who's extremely privileged will always make sure that they're extremely privileged for the next one. Did I strike a nerve? So the best thing that I want you to understand about this, when I said you'll either do the same or the opposite, right? You notice how you're already doing the opposite for your brothers and sisters. Yep. Because you don't want them to go through what you went through. This right here, my friend, is the struggle, the adversity that has made you who you are. This is the boy behind the man. This here is the part that has made you so successful. This part here is the part that gave you that power behind everything you've got. So when, when I say what, did, what happened, what did I make it mean, what's it actually about, what it's actually about is this, and now you're just going to get me on the same nerve is because we don't want people to go through what we went through. So now when you think back to your brothers and sisters now, I'm just going to say this in a different way. Did your level of compassion just change for them or did your level of compassion just change for your mother? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, that's so, a deep topic. So this is so ironic because we don't we don't see it as like the moment that you started to go in double digits when you were like, screw you, I'm going to do this. It's kind of like mm -hmm. because you don't want anyone to go through what you went through. Exactly, right. Even brothers and sisters because you're just like, hang on a minute. Now, the fact that you also had to grow up that little bit more at the age of six these are these tiny little things that molded you. So let me ask you, let me just forward this really quickly so that we can raise the level of the spirit right now. When you think about right now, are you always the leader now in everything that you do? I, I, I can't help it. I love it. I enjoy it. It's my passion. Let me go carve a little bit and then follow along. If you want to jump ahead of me because you need the experience, please do it. And then they try it and they go, ouch. I'll get behind you. I like the way you do it better. Let's go. Let's go. And I bet you're the protector as well. 
Oh, looking out for the underdog. No better pleasure than to see someone struggling and go, grab my hand. I got you. Let's go. That's such whether they reciprocate trait. or not, whatever, whether they reciprocate or not, if they remember me as he got me out of that. I like that guy, whatever. I mean, if they succeed because of it, if I showed them one thing that they can use for their, their advantage, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody looking out for me. So I looked out for myself. And that's what makes you so strong now. Oh, 100%. In, in the right way, because there's also so much uncomfortable. So here, here are the key points to this. When I said conquer the uncomfortable, I'm mm -hmm. going to show you why you're so comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is actually the triggering moment. Because you've had to do it on your own, because you've had to stand up, because you've had to try and keep up and put the proof out there to the pedestal, to the mother, respectfully, what that's actually done for you is made uncomfortable comfortable. So your opposite is actually going, I'm actually going to help someone go first. Exactly. And that, that alone could be uncomfortable for you watching someone else go first because the moment you say, no, nah, it's all right, you come behind me, I'll, I'll go first. It's almost like your learning curve will be watching someone else go first through a greater struggle than you ever did and then they'll appreciate you in a different way and you'll appreciate yourself in a different way. Absolutely. Yes. But that's going to take a lot. That also could be a problem too, right? Because sometimes I need people to go through their own pain point because they become so much better through their own pain point. And my problem is they are struggling and they ask for help and I give them the answer instead of a solution to figure out their own way. That's my problem. So that there, that's your learning. That's your learning now. Mm -hmm. That's probably even what you've been going through maybe in the last five years. 100%. 100%. The moment that you started to learn it. So this is beautiful. For the audience right now, I just want to share with you the benefit of conquering your uncomfortable. When, 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 I, when I have someone, when I have someone as passionate, as strong, as confident, who's a leader, and I say, I always say, I partner with senior executives and leaders to help them achieve exceptional results, both personally and professionally, is because sometimes, and more times than often, the leader is in that place because they don't know any different. And it's not going to make them any weaker by learning how to watch someone else go through the pain instead of helping all the time. True. Very true. So when you look at your life specifically, and we've only just touched on one tiny little area at the moment. So the benefit of the, the, benefit of the audience right now, when, I, when, you, when you get someone who struggled through a totally opposite diver, uh, adversity, they grow up and they're just like, no, 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 I am. I, I, I don't like, I'm completely introverted. I don't like crowds. Their uncomfortable is, is the courage. Because the fear took over versus the mm -hmm. you and I were both screwed this shit. Right, I'm, I'm, exactly. I, re I remember listening to a phone call and, and I remember, you know, my mum saying like along the lines of, I, d I, just, I just don't know if I love him anymore. I think I like someone else. 
And like for me at 12, I was just like, what does that, what does that mean? Does it, what does that mean? And then I busted the door down and I was just like, if you leave, I'm taking my sister and I'm going to run away and you're never going to see us. I can't believe you're talking like this. And all I heard was like two sentences and I'm just like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't even know what it was about. I made it up in my head, right? right? Oh my God, my parents are going to split up this, this, this. I, like, I just went into negative thought pattern, which is, which is automatic because of TV shows we watch, because of magazines. Like we get all this external information all the time. So in my head, when I, when I went through that, like I just went straight into like protective mode. So you and I both are very extroverted. We're out there, but other people aren't. Other people would take that as fear and just shrink and be like, my life sucks. My family sucks. So there's two types of uncomfortable and people, people always just like, oh no, I don't want to jump out of an airplane. And, and some people are just like, I would, man, I would jump out of an airplane. I'd ride down that skate park. <laughs> and the question is, then what would happen if you did the opposite? Oh man, that'd be totally uncomfortable for me. And it's like, bingo, there it is. So had a, you had a sister that was five years. You had another brother that was five years. So if you think about this part, especially around your mother being on the pedestal, being a woman now, mm-hmm. was dating difficult for you then? Oh my God, this is a three hour topic in itself. I wasn't allowed to date. Why? Because the Indian function of every mother and father is I control. I want as many reins in everything you do. If we choose someone for you, it's okay. If you find someone even better than what we would have chosen, but we didn't choose them, we're going to destroy it. They won't say that. It's happened to me. They'll destroy it. It's a fact. So Dating was exceptionally difficult because A, I wasn't allowed to. If mm-hmm. friends came over in high school who were female, there was days where she would just be in a, give me a tantrum and say, no, your friends got to wait out there. I'm like, wait out there. I'm just getting ready to go out. And then I realized she wouldn't tell me why. And then I realized because the females, she'd make wait outside to make it harder for me. So I wouldn't bring any females over. So if I got uncomfortable with telling my friends, can you guys wait in the, wait in the car? Because my mom just mad at me for something. And they're like, oh, that's cool. I would lie to them because she would say, I don't want them in the house. And I realized it was the females she didn't want in the house to control me. And, and again, at the time I thought she's just being just a bitch for no reason. And it's a, I don't know. And, and I love my mother to death. I tried pleasing her for 39 years. And then I thought, I think everything is attainable. This is the mm-hmm. kid who, if you say, here's the long-term project, I'm like, my man, let's go. Here's what I do well. Here's what you do well. Let's put together a program and a whiteboard of, I'm going to take your IQ because you're a smart guy. I have plenty of EQ between the IQ of cold processes and the EQ of relationship management, which is I know extremely well. We're going to meet these people. We're going to go LinkedIn. We're going to do this. We're going to infiltrate this company and let's go achieve what you want. So there's nothing unattainable for me. So when I tell you I gave up at 39, there's, I've never used that term ever. And then I shifted my mindset to say, it's not that I gave up. It's I need to recategorize her because she obviously doesn't know any better. And there's issues that she has that are so unresolved from 40 years ago. I can't, and, and thankfully by asking a few professionals and they're like, your friend who's a psychologist served you very well. That's exactly right. You need to reframe it in your mind. So dating, bro, uh, everything was a fight. If you thought, me wanting to go out to hang out with my friends was a fight. Dating, oh my God, it was met with just 
I was doing something so wrong and so against the culture, so against the family that I was more I was like mortified to even bring up the topic more than once or twice. So until college, I didn't even date. I mean, and I went to college, you know why I went away? To get away from her. So I applied as far as I could to get away from her. Otherwise, I, well, who wants to move out of their house if you have a great, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So there you go. It's a long answer, but yes, everything was an issue. And the same way I was met by no's and rebuttals in my house, I was met with those rebuttals outside the house. So my story is getting bullied and, and having issues outside the house, no problem. But then I had to deal with those in the house. So for me, I was constantly protecting myself physically and verbally and emotionally. So that's why I, adversity, bring it. And that's why it comes down. It comes down. Yeah, it's fuel. It's fuel now. And this is another thing that it comes down to is like you were being protective inside the house to protect the, the brothers and sisters. You were also being protective outside because of the, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there in, in, in that day and age. May I ask your age just quickly? Yeah, I'm, I actually just turned uh, 49. Congratulations. Yeah, man. Nearly, nearly halfway, man. I know, man. And I feel I'm like meet you there. I got the, I feel like I'm going to say I'm going to be doing this probably through my 90th birthday at this rate, at this veracity, man. So let's go. Of course you will be. So, so part of that is, is your, um, you also put up with, or you had to protect yourself from that, those childhood teasing. Cause, cause I'm, I'm going to guess, right. I was the dark kid uh, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I was the dark kid, the dark hair in the little mm-hmm. country town in the middle of Australia, right? And no doubt you would have been the dark kid that looked not American right. in America, right? Going to school. Right. Oh, exactly right. right. So you had you had the you had the shield up all the time. Mm-hmm. So here's here's one thing. Let me ask you. Did the bullying hurt or did you see the bullying as attention? Interesting. That's a good question. I've never even thought of that. I don't know if it hurt because for me, it was about just another layer of adversity outside the house that I already dealt with for years inside the house. So for me, bullying, I almost saw it as another rebuttal. Oh, why do you look so weird? Why are you so brown? Why are you so fat? Why does your hair look like that? Why? Uh, and then I was like, okay, well, well, I look like this because I'm not from here. Okay, there's an answer. What else do you have for me? Well, I'm so fat. Well, obviously I must eat a little bit too much. What else you got? Uh, and then I started turning that around and eventually, well, I'm fat. I'm going to lose weight. Um, I never forget seventh grade. I'm fat. I'm going to lose weight, but you're, you're so mean and stupid. You're never going to change though. And then I started learning, wait a minute. All the other kids started laughing at him. I thought, I'm on to something. Wait a minute. I'm turning this around to my advantage. And then this guy was born, not that chubby. Oh God, this guy was born. The guy who wants to take on anything at all costs to just help somebody else. So there you go. So from that moment, when you, when you had that moment, right? And here's another thing. I'm just going to rephrase so much of the conversation already. Everything that we spoke about always has an emotion. Notice that? Mm-hmm. So everything yes. is, it's not a memory. It's an emotion behind the memory. That's why we remember it. It's like the movie Inside Out. Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. Yes. So, so just for a reference for the crowd, psychologists have watched that movie. I think some of them even helped make it. It's the best um, 
reformation of how the brain works. Like it's the best thing they've, they've recommended it as like something to watch so that you can understand, right, how do I make it, how do memories be made? And then also how do memories be stored? Because the black ones that don't matter just go down the hole, right? That's the whole idea behind the, the deep, dark space. So mm-hmm. when you think about that tipping point, that moment when that, when that light globe would have, would have been a really bright yellow one that come out, the happy one, mm-hmm. right? How did you then use your character and charisma then as your superpower? Um, by sheer, I didn't have a choice because I realized that either I have to, I had gotten to a lot of fights when I was younger because I learned if they're gonna come at me and I can't change anything, well then I'm gonna stand my ground. So people will try to shove me to start an argument. And I eventually learned that, wait, if I'm bigger than them, and if I push them back, they're afraid of me. Let me try pushing them back. And then every for every 10 kids that would try something, seven, I'd immediately push back and get the stance of like, I'm crazy. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, they're just, they just float away. They don't want anything to do with me. Wait a minute, this is all huffing and puffing. And just because I'm different, I started putting little things together. So it was a matter of first, I knew I could do this and my body weight helped me. That happened at first, second, third, fourth. And then by fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I realized this is going to get me in trouble. And it did. You know, the back in the day, you got demerits and all those things. Yeah, demerits, yeah. detention. Yes. And my parents were like, what are you doing? And then again, and then, and then I got yelled at again. Yeah. For yeah. in the house. And I'm defending myself. I wouldn't say the word defending. I'm like, but he made fun of me. And, she, and I said, he pushed me. She goes, well, my mom is a, a bully in herself. So she says, if someone pushes you, they touch you you touch them back twice as hard then. Don't take that. If they say something is one thing. If they touch you, touch them twice as hard. I'm like, okay. And I thought she gave me a free ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I walked mm. in ready to go. And then I got started getting in a little bit too much trouble. I peeled it back and then I thought, wait a minute. Then I started making fun of them back. And I thought, there you go. Now other kids would join in and, and they thought I was funnier than the guy who was supposed to be the normal looking, better looking, slim guy who was in the basketball team. But now- they like me better because I'm funny. Now this guy would second th- have a second thought of making fun of me again. And all of a sudden, I actually had a few friends going into high school. Oh, this is a different world. And like I told you earlier, when we first met, someone comes up to me and hands me something. It's kind of like they come up to me. My first reaction in my first 10 years of my life was like, what do you want? What do you mm, want? Let's go. Defense, then defense. I was like, hey, how you doing? I was like, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, I saw you in the hall. You, you're in my class. I am. Oh, just wanted to say hello. I'm like, okay, what's next? And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is pretty cool. And all of a sudden I evolved into, oh, there's an art of communication with humans. And if I'm funny or whatever it is for me, it was funny. I was, I don't know, I developed a gift. Some people say gift of gab. It's an acquired art of gab, I'll call it, because I didn't have it when I was younger. I acquired it by having no choice but to stop using these. So I use this. I'm just going to add to that. And this is, this is, unraveled perfectly at the very start i said would you see it as pain and bullying or would you see it as attention you created a defense mechanism that used humor instead of fighting you started off with fighting you were just like no no no, this is bullshit i don't like this i'm going to stand up for myself right and then you noticed you even heard the shift when you spoke about your mum. you're just like hang on a minute but my mum was a bully because she was telling me that i had this leave pass that if someone hits me i could do it back then you had you had enough self-awareness and i'll tell you why because of so much of you went through when you were younger you had so much self-awareness mm. 
because you had to grow up fast. Remember, you had to look after your brother and sister. So you had so much self-awareness that you could recognize, well, if I keep doing this, I'm just going to get more in trouble. And more in trouble here means possibly more in trouble at home. And I don't want two lots of I am in trouble all the time, right? It becomes an I am statement. So then all of a sudden you, you, you noticed and recognized the attention that you were getting in a different way by acting a different way, by being someone different. So at first it was probably acting. It was probably a mask there because she was like, hang on a minute, I can hide behind this. And then it became, that then became the defense, a new defense mechanism mm -hmm. of the mask. And then when you took off the mask, you were like, no, I'm actually really funny. I am actually extroverted. I am actually like this person who can be himself mm -hmm. We, with no fear of judgment now. Why? Because I'm becoming older. Yes, it's okay to talk and entertain. I didn't do anything wrong. The same thing I did at four and a half was the same thing I did at 12, except now people were like, he's so awesome. That was great. You shut him down. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. I'm getting praise for this now? Interesting. Maybe something happened. Now it's cool. But maybe before it wasn't. And that's why I was shut down before. I don't know. But it works now. Let's run with it. There's so many aspects to this. If I had a whiteboard, it it just makes so much sense. But basically, you've got this this core, right? And and usually we relate this to masculine femininity. So in other words, a masculine boy could grow up and he could get hurt. So then he puts on this feminine mask. Then he grows up again, and then he becomes like, hang on a minute, I'm in the friend zone, so therefore I can't get anyone. So then he puts on the masculine figure again, right? Anyway, so what's happening here is I believe that you've got this like energy as a bright happy boy and this your mum's persona because her mask from wherever she got it from mm -hmm. just placed a stop on you so then you put this outer ring of like well I can't be seen then I can't mm -hmm. be normal I've got to just fall under your jurisdiction and your rules right and then this tipping point went through to school and the moment that you were able to be yourself you created a different ring so then you could just be now this or you broke through the ring and came out as your true self and now this is the this is the tej that i see and this is the that one that you see in the mirror you're just like fuck it's taken me 39 that. years that's perfect you're right because when i was younger i was i was only happy because she was happy as long as i i was in her gravitational force and if i did this whatever this rotation, it, we were okay. Cause then I wouldn't mm. get yelled at. But if I break out of it, that's when the attack would come. So I thought, let me just stay here. And even to, to about five, six, seven, eight years ago, I thought, let me stay somewhere here, but I'll do my own path, but somewhere mm -hmm. I'll eventually mm -hmm. circle her out of respect. She's my mother. But I didn't realize what you just said. That's exactly right. I just would stay there because if she's in control, I stay happy because I don't get yelled at. Right. It wasn't about me. It was about her. And like you said, immediately you said, it's not about you. It's about, it's always been about her. I just didn't know it. And this is so funny. I, I'm going to share something. The most flexible person in the room is always in control. So realistically, if you knew of that, mm -hmm. if you knew that when you were younger, you would have been able to control the situation the whole time. And you were probably doing it underlyingly, not knowing, because that's why you were playing the safe zone. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is she was so rigid. So what happens to something in the wind when it's rigid? It's going to break. It doesn't flow. It doesn't, it doesn't bend like water. Bruce Lee's favourite word, you know, flow like water. Be exactly water, right. my friend. So if you think about right now, 
if you think about some of the uncomfortable that you've been going through in the last five years when you've been learning yourself, mm-hmm. when those situations arise, you be the water again, you let someone else take that path for their learning, not for yours. You watching, this is going to make me emotional, you watching someone else fight their fight, it's only a reflection of you. Because you've been there, so you know what it feels like. But you, right. when you watch other people go through it, you'll be able to witness it for you and just be like, holy shit, I don't need to always be the leader. Mm. You're always going to be the leader in your own right. You'll always be there to pick someone up. Mm. Just because you didn't go first doesn't mean you didn't pick someone up. It's a very good point, actually. And that's the struggle I do have. I feel that I'm doing it, the intention, the outcome might not exactly be always perfect. The intention is, I, I want to make it easier for you. I, no one made it easier for me. They, if anything, she made it harder. Let me make it easier. I have the, the, I have the exact opposite of the formula I was shown. I converted it this way. So you lead and go further than I did. So I would have been that much further had I had it. Or what I realized is someone said, would you be you if you didn't have to deal with that when you were five? Correct. Why would you be you? Why would you take everything as a, it's an opportunity to conquer because I can deal with anything. So my friend, you're giving me all kinds of stirring things up here. I don't even, you're right. Very good. It's, it's, it's perfectly, you had to go through that. Like I had to go through mine. Mm-hmm. And the best thing is um, I'm going to share this in a metaphor. If you get two children, have you got children? No, look at just, I'm still growing up man. that little brown kid's still here. <laughs> You get two children that have never played with Lego and you give them both Lego. The only part that they would fight over is that that color, I want that color. They wouldn't fight about putting it together because they've never done it before. You get one six-year-old, you get one child that's been playing with Lego for six months longer than the other person. And the other person's never played with Lego. You put them down and what's gonna happen? The six month that's been playing with the Lego is gonna Mm -hmm is going to either do one of two things. They're either going to show them and help them mm-hmm. or they're going to take over. And what I want point. you to think about, what, I'm going to, what I want you to think about in this exact moment is when this happens to you, you're either going to watch and help from the sideline. Don't be your mother and don't take over because that's what she did to you. And that's her behavior, not yours. That's You're not right. your behavior. That's, a, that's, a, that's an extremely relevant metaphor. I'm glad you said it that way, my friend. It makes my struggle a little bit better. That, that's it. You're welcome. It's given me goosebumps, man. Because Likewise, I, are you kidding? Yeah. I can, see, I can see how you're growing in the last five years. Hmm. I'm, I'm the same. There's parts of me that always want to lead. I always want to go. I even say it to my kids now. You know, this is really funny. Sometimes my wife's less like, do you always have to just come up with an answer? And I'm like, well, I've been a doctor for, you know, six years as well, which I haven't. I just say it like that. <laughs> but my uncomfortable is the same thing, is watching someone else go through the struggle for themselves. Yeah, you feel like I feel like I'm not doing my best for them mm. by letting them experience the pain. I've already experienced the pain. Why not choose... Why not accept my fast track to success? But what I, when you and I first started, 
I just found my own answer. Why don't you, why shouldn't I show them the fast track to success? Because if all the lessons are within all of my failures, if they have none of those, then they have no lessons. They don't learn anything. They just get to the end of the race and then they go, I've learned nothing. So I didn't see that until you, that's a, good, that's a really good point, actually. Mm. The lessons are in the, the growth is in the lesson. The growth yeah. is in the trial of trying it, right? And, and, that, and that just brings me back around to another amazing point about struggle. You may have heard this one, a butterfly, or, or should I say a caterpillar in a cocoon. If you cut the caterpillar's cocoon too early, the butterfly will die. Because mm-hmm. the only way that the butterfly can survive is the struggle that the butterfly goes through. So the wriggling to try and get out of the cocoon is actually the butterfly forcing the blood to its wings for them to grow so much that when the wings grow enough, that's what cracks the cocoon and then their wings are strong enough to actually fly away before they get eaten. Good point. That's a great point. Mind blowing, my friend. I like that. You're right. I need to just think about that. Is am I gonna? I love the Lego analogy. That's great. Of all the things I've learned, Lego analogy. I'm gonna use that for myself. You, you've got the answer for someone. You know that. The biggest, the biggest uncomfortable part for you is not telling them so fast. Yes, hundred percent. Absolutely. Yes. Biting my tongue. And just letting them take a few steps into action. Yeah, just, just watch it. Back. Because yeah. you already know what to do. So you could almost be like, well, what would you do next? Tell me what would you do next? You and I both know that the best person that's going to bring a solution to the table is the one that understands the problem properly. Because as soon as they understand the problem properly, they'll already go, hey, I've already thought about a solution. And it's like, mm-hmm. great, because it means you understand the problem. Yes. The ones that turn around and say, hey, we've got a problem. This is shit. I want it changed. It's kind of like, you don't even understand the problem. Don't speak to me right now. Go and go and find me a solution. Right. And then, and the, you know, we could stem this into business right now, but it's all about the boy behind the man. So before we get off track, I, I can see us having an amazing friendship from now on. I, listen to me, my friend, the, I, I don't know how you extracted 45 minutes of <laughs> one or two questions. And I didn't even get past the age of 12 yet. So uh, great. I don't know what to tell you. Wow. <laughs> Man, Tej, we could talk all day as we wrap this up. Firstly, um, this is not about business. Secondly, if people were listening to you and felt like you were talking just to them, it's because you were. But realistically, you were actually just talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. And the benefit of you hearing yourself, if someone wants to contact you to go, holy shit, I do the same thing, Tej. How can they contact you? Easy. The best way is you can, uh, whether it's on Clubhouse or my website, you go to tejbrombat.com. That's T-E-J-B-R-A-H-M-B-H-A-T-T.com. There's plenty of ways to contact me there. That is basically my platform to share the 22 years of working knowledge I've acquired. And I give a little bit of, well, a lot of my free IP of you're, you're struggling Here's a couple of sales tips. When you're in a negotiation, whether it's with your parent or your partner or your client, these three things negotiate to keep in mind. And if you can better yourself by just seeing what's out there and I can offer it, great. If you say, 
I need real help. I need to spend time with you and hire you for help. Great. So be it. But for me, like you, I love spending as much time as I can just to learn to get to know one another, develop yeah. one another. And I always use the analogy. It's much easier for me to push my own boulder up a hill when you help me. Just like when you have a boulder to go up the hill, I'll step over and help you push it up. So much easier and it's a lot more efficient that way. That's everything I do in life because if I could go back and the one question I love leaving people with, people always ask me, what's the one thing you could tell your 21-year-old or five-year-old? I would say don't ever change anything about you. Whatever you think the first time is always right, no matter what anybody says. If you're doing something good for someone else and you're not trying to hurt anybody, which I never did, it's always going to be the right answer. That's what I would stick with. The ethos would be, I'd be written on my, on a, my notebook and I would carry that around to this day. And then I'd say, find a mentor, find someone like you that believes in you, whether it's 15, 16, 17, 18. That's why I'm a mentor. 15 years, I mentor people because I want to show them the routes. And look, But now I'm not going to give them all the answers. Shame on me. I'm going to say, you got to go this far. What would you do? And let me step back. And you're not going to fall because at the end of the day, I'm holding the string. You're not going to fall. Keep walking. And if you think you're going to fall, I'll pull back. But until then, keep walking. That's my takeaway from you, my friend. Thank you very much for that. That was huge, huge, huge you're learning welcome, for you, I'm a better man. mentor out there because of you. Oh, man, thank you so much. It's, it's honestly, it's been a pleasure to be able to talk with you through this. Um, I too respect myself um, enough to say that from the experiences that I've been through, I love to mentor as well. It's because it's purely about that, that experience place. So man, it was a pleasure. I appreciate your commitment to your vulnerability, to your stories, respect to your mother, everything that we talk about between mothers and fathers and, yes. and whatever comes out is there's no disrespect here. It's all the stories that our childhood that created and we created to get to where we are. So man, this is going to blow up. So listen, man, I love it. I, I want to leave with my final thoughts of my losses for your learnings. Beautiful. That's what I'm, I'm about. My losses to your learnings. Boom. Well, you've heard it here. I hope that if you're in your car, wherever you are at your desk, no matter what, I hope you've enjoyed conquering your uncomfortable, the boy behind the man. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time.